The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Views which are presented are for educational purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or claim any cure of disease or condition. Welcome to the Aging Answer Show, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65-plus crowd. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women, located in downtown Kirkwood. We've been caring for elderly, visually impaired women since 1866. Today, my guest is Nicole Huffman of ACM Care, and she is going to talk about a very timely topic, which is the holidays and in particular, how to um, deal with uh, friends or relatives who have dementia. I know the holidays are really stressful for a lot of people, uh, no matter what. Yes. And I can imagine that if you have some um, challenges, that uh, it, it really makes it more difficult. So so help us out here. Yes. So like you said, Gina, um, it is very stressful during the holidays for most people. There's a lot of running around. Um, when you have any cognitive impairment, um, so the dementia umbrella, you have some type of cognitive impairment, and that's varying levels. But any of that stimulation, um, the loud noises, the music, um, lights, that could all be very overwhelming in a world of somebody with dementia. So um, really what we I kind of encourage people to look at is what is your holiday? What does that look like? What is your, um, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever, how many things are you doing in that day? And you can probably rattle off a big list of what you have to prepare, um, how many people are coming over, and it just, our presents you might be buying, it's very overwhelming. So um, the thing is, is, it's stressful for all of us, including those with dementia, and um, that change in routine, those extra noises, that could be anxiety-provoking for that individual. Looking at where that individual is, are they in the early stages? Um, and if they are, they might just be a little bit more withdrawn from the conversations going on in the room. They might repeat themselves a little bit more, and um, that's perfectly fine. You can actually check in with that individual to see how they're feeling. If Are you feeling okay? They can voice, no, I'm uncomfortable. I'm getting overwhelmed. They're still able to really give a voice to what's going on. Um, and then you could be assisting that individual by being just patient with them and not trying to fill their sentences. Let them give time to think and about um, what they're trying to tell you as far as their thought process. So just be patient and allow them, um, don't interrupt them or correct them, just let them speak. So so um, go in a little bit more into what early dementia might look like for a person. So if I'm a family member mm-hmm. and this is kind of new stuff to me, right? what do I want to be looking out for? 
So um, early dementia, it's very mild, subtle things. Maybe you had an individual that was really well at banking now starting to um, maybe not pay a bill. Or maybe you had somebody who was cooking that's starting to um, boil over their food or they're um, burning their food. You got to look at what kind of what their specialty was. It's just those mild subtleties of what that person um, was known for. Um, somebody who was maybe a really good driver all of a sudden got lost. Those are very early symptoms. And I mean, obviously the forgetfulness, but with all aging, there is some forgetfulness. So that does not mean that everybody has dementia. So it's just really getting screened ultimately by a doctor who can determine that diagnosis. But um, some repetitive sentencing, repeating themselves, maybe difficulty word finding, thinking of something and they just cannot spit out what that word would be. Um, those would be some of those earlier symptoms. And would you let's say I'm the wife mm -hmm. of, of, a, of a guy who yeah. has early dementia, would I want to go ahead and let family members know so when they come to be prepared for this? Or is that, should I not let that out no. of the bag yet? No, I think it's always good to let family members know that something is going on because it comes into play if they're having a conversation and your loved one is telling the same story or maybe not finding the correct wording, they can have that knowledge and be patient with the person and not trying to correct them. Um, because if somebody doesn't realize they're doing it, that could be very embarrassing to, you know, don't say that or you, mm -hmm. you've already told us a story five yeah, times. Right, that right. could be very shameful, embarrassing. So just letting them be aware but also to not really, I mean, yes, you have to have more patience, but to just still treat them as an individual. Um, they're not an outcast person. It's just a little bit different with working with them. And I don't suppose you would want to go, oh, I found out you have dementia. I'm so sorry. I mean, right, you probably right. don't want to do that, right? Right. So, um, you know, honestly, most of my clientele that are early on in their symptoms they kind of know something's going on. They will voice that my brain is not functioning right. I'm not thinking right. I um, just don't feel right. They they do pick up on that, um, but they also want to try to cover it up so that it's not noticeable. Mm -hmm. So they might do things like writing things down more often, writing things on the calendar, um, marking things off as they do it, which, I mean, we all create lists and stuff, but there is more ways to track so that they don't mess up. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think we're rattling on about it. But um, yeah, I, I do believe that you don't want to necessarily say, oh, I heard that you have this diagnosis. But if they mention it, you can acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I they, they, I'm guessing they probably don't want to be the center of attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as the dementia advances more so, do not want to be the center of attention. Nobody really wants to stand out in general. Most personalities are not I mean, there's a few probably out there that want to be the center of attention in a room, but most people don't. Especially so, for a, yeah. a, a non-pleasant reason. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So going back to the holidays in mm -hmm. in, in specific, um, I know you had, um, had, had listed a few things for me in advance and you yeah. said 
focus on the things that are the most important not yes maybe they may not be the typical holidays anymore right so exactly so and that's kind of getting into more of the moderate to late stages where that stimulation is just too much for the person so if you had a loved one who really enjoyed baking for example then that's something you want to incorporate in your holiday depending on where they're at in that stage maybe they're if they're still early on they could still help and you maybe just need to make sure that timing wise um, all the ingredients are going in like they should and that you set a timer and get the food out in a timely manner as it's advancing you want to maybe just have them knead the dough or maybe just decorate the cookie or just read out the directions anything depending on where they're at at that level or it could just be sitting around the table as you're doing it talking about it and enjoying those senses of the smell of the cookies baking um if they really like to wrap, which that is not my thing, um, you could always give them something small and, you know, simple things to wrap. Um, as far as like if they like to sing, you know, those type of things, you just want to be sure to incorporate what really Christmas meant to them or whatever holiday they celebrate, what it means to them and focus in on that. Another thing to keep in mind is what time of day works for them. As we get older, we get set in routines and um, we don't want to do something at nighttime if they're typically a day person. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to be sure to allow them um, time to work on whatever they want to do. So like the cooking and stuff, if they function better in the daytime, allow them two hours of good time to work on it. And then just that's our main focus. And then you're done. It cannot be cooking, singing, wrapping, decorating the tree, all those activities. You really got to hone in on what that individual would have enjoyed. And some individuals maybe don't enjoy most of those activities. Um, So you might need to do that with other family and incorporate whatever they would enjoy. If it's just being around the family, you know, those who are those members that they typically associate with and keeping those groups smaller mm-hmm. to be less overwhelming. And that again, that's more the moderate to late stages. So this is more you're seeing deterioration going on. And it's very noticeable that the person you once knew is no longer. Um, and a doctor would have to diagnose really the moderate to late stages. But um, it's just that their sense of being able to do something is less and less and you're having to do more as a care provider. Um, so yeah. Are there are there some folks who, well, I'm sure every single person's different, of course, but um, do, do people who develop d- dementia ever just stop enjoying mm-hmm. the Personalities holidays? can change, definitely. We see that a lot. Um, people who maybe um, never spoke an ill word or saying lots of nasty things or vice versa. Somebody who might've been very um, hateful or not as nice in their younger years certainly become very sweet. Um, we've had that with both all families. We've had it from nice people turning mean, mean people turning nice. And that's a very emotional thing on both ends because when you've had a parent, maybe that's been not as nice when you were younger, turn into somebody sweet. That's a harder thing to wrap your head around. Um, Why are they now so nice? And and it's a lot of resentment kind of going on. So there's a lot of emotions as dementia advances for sure. 
Yeah, and, and I suppose the knowing that the holidays are coming and maybe that you know in your head it used to be enjoyable and now you don't feel that way, I guess that probably multiplies right the whole anxiety of it. Definitely. All right. Well, we uh, have to take a break right now. We're going to come back in just a moment, and we'll continue this conversation. Uh, you are listening to The Aging Answer Show, and I'm your host, Gina March of the Mary Culver Home uh, for Visually Impaired Women. We will see you in a moment. Welcome back to the Aging Answers Show, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65-plus crowd. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women, located at 221 West Washington in downtown Kirkwood. We've been caring for elderly, visually impaired women for over 153 years. Uh, We've been having a really interesting discussion today with Nicole Huffman of ACM Care, and she is discussing... um, what to think about if you have a loved one dealing with dementia now that the holidays are on top of us. So um, we were talking about things to watch for um, when your loved one is in the early stages and you were starting to talk more about the middle to the late mm-hmm. stages. So um, just pick it up and yeah. let's keep the conversation going. So Yes. So uh, I, I like to expand more on the middle to late stages. Um, so looking at what your normal holiday plans would be, make visitors and family aware of what these changes are. Um, you could email your family. You can send them um, a letter. Not many people are doing that anymore. Yeah. I mean, it could be text, um, whatever, to make sure that they know kind of what the newest situation is. And then you can also send a picture. And the reason people say a picture is if you've ever seen anybody with cognitive impairment, such as dementia, there is a change in that demeanor. The um, appearance overall is different, and they look older as that disease advances. Um, Maybe they're not as put together. If they were uh, somebody who always dressed in like a business casual, maybe they're wearing more like sweatpants and sweatshirts and it's just a different look. So you want to make sure that the family members who maybe don't see this loved one as much understand what they're walking into um, because you definitely don't want them to be approaching the loved one saying, oh my goodness, what has happened? Where are, what's yeah. going on? So again, trying not to draw a bunch of attention to that disease. It is a disease. Um, it is not that person. It's a disease taking over that body. I guess um, that's a really important yeah. point to drive home. Yeah. Is it's not that so and so is just getting goofier and forgetful. Right. It is a disease. It is a disease. And as we had talked about earlier with the mood changes, whether if that does happen, if somebody becomes mean, it's hard to wrap your head around, but it really truly is a disease process. Those things that they may be saying are not exactly maybe what they're meaning. It is that disease taking the body over, they're still the person you love. It's just a lot harder to love them sometimes when 
when you're going through those valleys. Um, so kind of some ex- expectations to do or adjust to is planning, being more advanced with what you're going to do. So like I said, calling those family meetings, emailing, even doing a face-to-face with some of your family, maybe um, making a smaller group arrangement. So if you have 30 people in your family, maybe just meeting with a few people. 30 people might be too much for that loved one. Um So breaking those large gatherings into smaller gatherings, um, looking at the time of day that is better. So if you always did a family dinner and lunchtime is better or breakfast time is better, maybe you do a family brunch. You just have to really cater to the schedule of the person with that advanced dementia. Um, And then we already had talked about bringing the involvement to their level. So what they enjoyed, bring that, make that the center of attention. Um, A lot of times... You're allotted two to three hours where they're until they're ready to get out of there and go back to wherever their home is. So you really want to make those two to three hours good hours. Um, working, so as that person, the caretaker, whether it's a wife or a husband who's the primary caregiver, making sure if they're the basic planner that day that they're not also the one in control of that person with dementia. So allotting somebody else who's close enough, whether it's a caregiver or another family member who understands that person and kind of assigning that person to that person, the dementia um, person for the day. So um, and making a place where they can go, a quiet area that they can retrieve to if they start to that person starts to get overwhelmed. Um And some signs of getting overwhelmed is maybe they're starting to fidget. They're starting to um, pick at their hands. They're starting to pick up their clothes. Maybe they're twitching their feet. There'll be minor subtleties. And that person who's just designated can pick up on that and pull them out before there's a behavior. Because if somebody gets too overwhelmed, there tends to be like an outburst type behavior. And you don't want your Christmas or holiday to look like that where that's all somebody remembers is their aunt and uncle or whoever it was family member had a big outburst that you want it to be a good holiday right yeah. so and, and I suppose um, a person in um, you know the later stages is it okay for someone to like the person that's sort of watching over them to say occasionally are you still doing okay I mean can you yeah, well, and they, also, so the person who's with them, if they know the family, that would be great. So as people with dementia get more advanced, they, they're they not as good with names, for sure. That's something that goes. And so they may not know the new baby's name of the family, or they might even forget their own grandchildren's name or their own daughter's and son's names. So if that caregiver could just say, this is your daughter, Carrie, coming you know, this is your son, Billy, Um, just anything to kind of help prompt them. And then also if the caregiver likes touch or not the caregiver, the, um, the dementia client, if they like touch, if they, if they like touch of the hand to soothe them, you can let family members know it's okay to do that. What do they enjoy? If they don't like touch and that irritates them, also tell the family, Mm -hmm. try not to touch, you know, mom or dad this weekend or this week. We don't want to, you're trying to cater to that new routine. Do you know if animals are good or not good 
for folks with with dementia? So it depends on, um, I think overall animal therapy is very good in most cases. Only case that if they have a fear from childhood that still sticks with them, or they just have a fear in general that they've developed, then that probably wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. But most people enjoy like dogs and cats. and um, But there are occasional people who have a fear from maybe they had a bad encounter a long mm-hmm. time ago, or a dog looks ferocious and they're afraid mm-hmm. um, just by the appearance. So it you have to um, kind of weigh in on that person and their personality. But I think overall animal therapy is very positive animals sense a lot um, and they're able to kind of meet that person where they're at. So I think that is very beneficial. Okay. Yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to make sure to emphasize is the short quality visit is more important than a long stressful visit with the loved one. That's for me too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For any of us. For anybody. So if it's, we just got to focus in on that quality. We want to make sure we're providing quality to um, the person with dementia, where they're at in early stages, mid stages, or late stages. We just want to make sure that they come away feeling good about themselves and also that people don't feel frightened. Um, because as a little girl, I, I have memories of hostile places and of a, a great um, grandmother and how it was very odd for me. And I, of course, didn't understand it. But those behaviors and stuff you don't get, and little kids are harder to explain anyway, but Mm -hmm. it's just, you want everybody to feel good about the visit um, and walk away feeling good. You don't want it to be a big outburst or a big scene. And um, the person with dementia can pick up on your emotions. They know when you are stressed as a caregiver, they know when the situation is a little chaotic. Um, and that goes for a lot of families. There is usually some type of dramatic thing that happens over holidays. And maybe there's family members that don't get along as well. And if that is the case, and you're putting all these people out there with these kind of negative vibes, they're going to pick up on that. And that's going to make the visit stressful for them too. And that may be difficult to contain. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you've got family members who aren't as thoughtful about another family member as you would like. And right. All the chaos is still going to happen. And right, right, right. That's why it's good to have that safe place that they can... having the place that they can go to mm-hmm. having if you're that primary provider, you know, as also, if you're with the primary provider and you don't want to do the holiday that year, it's also okay to say, I have too much going on. Yeah. Um, that's the other part. Being a caregiver is hard. It's overwhelming. Um, and sometimes I think as a spouse or a very close loved one, you have a lot of weight on your shoulders feeling like you must do it all to be the right provider. And that's not necessary because if you don't have your strength in 100% health, then you're not able to care for them at 100%. And if you're sick, you're not doing them any good. So you, it's a caregiver, you also need to reach out to other resources and take time out for yourself and not feel guilty for taking that time. And just be sure to, there's so many community resources, especially here in St. Louis, reach out to the community to see what they can provide and get yourself some respite care too, so that you 
don't feel so overwhelmed because they will pick up on that for that, sure. That is very good advice. Um, and um, unfortunately, we've got to wrap yeah. it up for today. But um, if if people wanted to find out more about those resources or how you can be mm-hmm. of help, how would someone reach out to you? So um, you can go to our website at www.a as an apple, c as in cat, m as in Mary, care, acm care. Dot org, or um, you can call me at 314-717-9041, and that is my cell, and I'd be happy to guide you and assist you to those community resources. Great. Thank you so thank much, you. Nicole. And thank you for listening to the Aging Answers Show, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65-plus crowd. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, let us know. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women, and I've been your host today. Join us every Monday from 1 to 1.30 with a repeat broadcast on Fridays from 1.30 to 2. And thank you for listening to KWRH LP Radio 92.9 FM.